everybody. Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to the Daily Evolver Live. It's Tuesday, February 17th, 2015, and I am coming to you as always from my home here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, in Integral Valley. <laughs> and I'm here tonight with our Daily Evolver producer, Brett Walker. Hey, Brett, how you doing? You in the saddle tonight? Hey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just want to say welcome. Uh, this is the last of the winter season. After this, we'll take a few weeks off and come back at the end of next month, Tuesday night, March 31st. Yeah, so it's been a good season. We've, you know, really gone through a lot of stuff. It's been a crazy, wild world, as usual. As we often say, evolution is beautiful, but not pretty. And, uh, you know, we try to make those distinctions each week. And tonight I want to talk about, well, just how it hurts so good, I guess, sometimes. The, the, the polarity between pain and pleasure. And uh, how we as integralists can dance and play with this polarity of pain and pleasure by having a loving and intelligent engagement with us. And that these are really primal polarities. They're the animating energetics of the cosmos. And they're really up in an interesting way in our culture right now. And this is basically just a fancy way of saying, yes, folks, I went to see Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I went last night to the Late Show by myself in an overcoat. It's freezing here in Boulder. I bought a popcorn, sat on the side by myself. Uh, it was a bit creepy, but this is what I do for you people. Uh, so you don't have to see it yourself. I wish the movie itself had been a little bit creepy. Um, actually, I wish the movie had been anything except cardboard and empty and boring. It's really a pretty bad movie. Uh, but we're not going to ne necessarily talk about the movie itself tonight. If you want to know how bad Fifty Shades of Grey is, you can go to Rotten Tomatoes, where you can read 186 reviews, uh, which average out to a 26 out of 100 rating. So pretty widely panned by most critics. But what I want to talk about tonight is the subject of the movie, which is BDSM. BD bondage and discipline, and S&M, sadism and masochism. So this is a sort of a new emergent in the culture that's being really brought forth in a major way through this movie. And it really is about a whole new community. It's a self-identified community in the culture that refers to itself as the kink community, K-I-N-K. So this is a new vocabulary word. And we're going to be hearing, apparently, a lot more about it in the coming time. Uh, you may even be dabbling in it yourself. So, uh, speaking of which, I, I'm also thrilled tonight that joining me a little later in the podcast, live from New York, is author and theater producer Robin Reinach, who is an integrally informed explorer herself in the world of BDSM, or kink. As I said before, the Daily Evolver podcast is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and my own personal blog, along with additional postings and commentary. And my personal blog, again, is dailyevolver.com. And I'd also like to say that, uh, as always, I love hearing from you. And there are two ways to contact me. One is by email, Jeff at dailyevolver.com, and the second is by a web voicemail, which is on the Daily Evolver site. It's a big orange button on the homepage. You just click it, and you can leave me a voicemail, and I can leave you a voicemail back. And I, I try to get back to people as much as I can, but it's really, really great hearing from you. It's uh, really helpful to hear the criticism. It's good to hear the, you know, uh, attaboys. And uh, so contact me if you are ever so inclined. So, now let's look at this movie and what it means for the culture. 
Fifty Shades of Grey, and the mainstreaming of kink. Now, I already mentioned how bad the movie is. And I understand that the books upon which the movie is based, they're also critically panned. But this is less important, really, than the fact that culturally, it's a really important movie. Because for whatever reason, this Fifty Shades thing has really hit a nerve. And people are responding. The movie itself made close to $250 million since it was released last Friday on Valentine's Day. And it's expected to exceed $600 million when all is said and done. This is the first of three movies. Uh, it costs $50 million to make. And the books are also a huge phenomena in the publishing industry. They sold over 100 million copies worldwide. I've heard the guy from Random House pointing out that uh, the last big fiction blockbuster was The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and that sold only one-fifth, 20 million copies over four years. So this is real. There's something going on here. And I think at a minimum, we could say that as good capitalists, we're going to see a whole lot more of this kink stuff in the mainstream culture because it clearly makes money. It hits a nerve. And it's probably an idea whose time has come. So, you know, this, this beat of continuing to open up uh, what was normally seen as aberrant sexuality from homosexuality, uh, transsexuality, it just continues to get bigger and it gets bigger faster. So just when you, you were getting comfortable with gay marriage and, you know, the, the whole Bruce Jenner and all of that, God is too good to let us rest. And so now it's time to meet the kink community. And I, I, I got to say, I do love this name of the, this community that they, they call themselves the kink community. Uh, and, you know, as with gays and transsexuals and so forth, they're, they're the people who were previously known as the perverts. And, you know, these are the, these are the ones who, you know, tie people up, flog them with a whip, uh, hang from the ceiling, uh, who bring back the whole master-slave dynamics, who sexually penetrate each other with all sorts of sundry objects, including their fists, as we learned in a particularly touching scene in the movie last night. And, you know, this, in a way, it, you know, when we think about these things, it sounds like a news report on the secret police in some third world country. But no, this is the King community. And it just makes me think of uh, a few years ago, I, I heard Pat Robertson and he was talking about, you recognize gay marriage and you're going to have every pervert imaginable crawling out of the woodwork. And you know what? He's right. And that's how we continue to sort of expand our consciousness and really include more parts of ourselves. And of course, it's sparked a resistance in the traditionalists, the amber stage of development, conservatives. And, um, you know, the conservatives exist to civilize and organize the primal impulses, you know, impulses to domination and submission, for instance, uh, impulses to being selfish and, and brutish. And that's what Amber tries to civilize in this, you know, uh, new world where we're meant to be good children of God and God sort of takes care of, you know, the dominance and submission at that point. And I get it. As a, as a gay man, we were the ones who were the perverts not so long ago. And then we were the people that society tolerated, as long as we didn't flaunt it too much. And now, gay people are your neighbors, your co-workers, your family members, and we might even be you. So, you know, it turns out that all of these people who live outside of the box, who color outside of the lines, are just people who want to have their fun, express who they are, have a job, a family, 
be productive citizens. And it turns out that as long as we're all consenting adults and we know what we're doing and nobody gets hurt, why not? So let's take a look at this from an integral perspective. What can integral show us about this 50 shades of gray phenomena, about the mainstreaming of kink? And what is the evolutionary significance of this? So we can start by looking at one of the main maps of integral theory, and that is, again, this altitudes of development, or what we would call stages of development. And we often talk about the integral stage of development as being that stage where we are able to see and integrate the best of all the previous stages of development. So for those of you who know the vocabulary, in integral, we want to in integrate the sensitivity of green. We want to integrate the uh, excellence and self-expression of orange. We want to integrate the faithfulness and obedience and, and a certain kind of submission of amber, of traditionalism. And we want to integrate the passion and power of, and even ruthlessness, and indeed domination and submission of red. And uh, this is one of the ways that we can do this. Uh, at its most basic, the red stage of development divides the world up between predator and prey, uh, between surrendering yourself or dominating another person. Or in the animal kingdom, you know, that's what it's all about. It's red and tooth and claw as animals, um, you know, compete and, and um, you know, basically devour each other. And there's a certain ecstasy to this because as we experience this really, you know, basic primal thing, I, I think of my puppies uh, I have two puppies under a year and a half old, and they play domination and submission basically all day long. They're chasing each other. They're biting each other. They're rolling around together. They're one's holding the other down, and they're biting. And you know, I see these teeth flying. I, you know, I can't even look. But you know, I, I get over there and I stick my hand in, you know, where their mouths are flying around, and none of it hurts. You know, it's all just play. And then before I know it, they're embracing and licking each other. And it's just, you know, you can just tell they're just completely absorbed in this play. And S&M, uh, this kink community, really invites us to re-inhabit this territory as an art form and as a practice. And this is, uh, you know, I was talking to Robin, uh, I guess it was yesterday, uh, and she was uh, uh, telling me that, you know, what we're really dealing with here is a pre-trans fallacy. This phenomena that we have identified in integral theory and in, in development, where behaviors that are what we would call first tier, and so this is real dominance and submission. This is real master-slave. This is real brutality. This is real subjugation in sort of a pre-civilized world can be brought back online in a post-civilized world. So these behaviors that are, you know, basically the way of things in a red warrior society, in the patriarchy, where sex is often a, an act of brutality, of submission. This is where women need to be shrouded so that men, these stallions that we are, can control ourselves. And that's red. And so we then move into amber, where we begin to be civilized by a monotheistic god or a nirvana, a samsara, a world of perfection that exists outside of this corrupted world. And then we move into, you know, a great pacification that happens as we move into modernity in the orange stage of development. And a great sensitivity 
where we become really just tuned into each other's feelings. And this comes on at the green, postmodern stage of, de of development. And, you know, this is progress. This is really, really good. But there's a certain flaccidity. There's a certain kind of uh, a loss of juice that we miss in a post-civilized, post-sensitized world. We have the opportunity then to bring forward the juice of domination and submission that existed in the pre-civilized and pre-sensitized world. You know, so I think about, you know, when do any of us really get to access our red energetics anymore? Uh, when do I get to slap anybody around? Who trembles when I walk into a room? Who begs me for anything? Who in my life is just there to provide any carnal desire I demand? Nobody. And from the other side of the street, from the submissive polarity, when do I ever get to just really give myself up to another person? When do I really just get to let it all go? When do I lose myself? When do I get to explore and play with this phenomena of pain, this thing that I've been dedicating my life to avoiding? Where do I get to explore humiliation? This, again, this thing that I, you know, spend so much of my time just avoiding as best I can. But this is to avoid one of the basic polarities of life. This domination-submission polarity gives us juice, and all polarities do. And this is one of the critiques of basically orange and green sexuality itself. I mean, this is one of the themes of David Data's work is that as men and women become more sensitive to each other, and this is a good thing, no, no problem, and, and as the power dynamics that are inherent in masculinity and femininity and men become more feminine in a, in a good way, you know, more sensitive, more caring, women become more masculine in a good way, more aggressive, assertive, powerful, we become more equal. But this sometimes comes with a certain dampening a, a, a homogenization, a short-circuiting of the primal impulse itself. So we want to keep that, you know, we want to stay civilized. We want to make sure that everybody ultimately keeps their power. And this is the key to true trans-civilized, trans-sensitized kink, where there is, well, it's like the kink community itself, sees bondage and discipline, sadism, masochism, as an addition to a healthy sexuality, not a, you know, defect in healthy sexuality. And this is actually the kink communities. You, you know, the internet's been ablaze with, you know, reaction response to this Fifty Shades of Grey. And the kink community, the, the big critique there is that the movie gets it wrong in the sense that Ultimately, the movie is about this man with all these kinks and the woman who sort of is drawn into his world, but she saves him. She heals him from his kinks through the power of love. And this is basically a pre-fallacy. This is a pre-civilized, sensitized fallacy that kink community objects to. So we'll talk a little bit about this with Robin in, in a minute, but I also want to stay, say that another sort of integral lens that we can look at this phenomena through is the lens of states. You know, the aqua model that Ken Wilber de, uh, devised is uh, called all quadrants, levels, lines, states, and types. And one of the things that is really powerful for human beings is that we're always looking in one way or the other for a better state, a better sense of feeling, of being, of liberation. We live in a world that is 
divided between subject and object. So I am me. I am Jeff. I am um, uh, separate from you. I am se separate from the world. And so I am living in a world of being a subject in a world of objects. Einstein called this an optical delusion of human nature, of human consciousness. And, you know, there's something about that that is just inherently painful. I feel alone. I feel isolated. And so there's always an impulse to want to get out of this small self, to want to merge with other people, to want to merge with nature, with God. And, you know, it may be an intuition of a coming state of unity. Uh, it, it may be a pullback to our past of paradise, sort of a pre-conscious paradise. But we see it in our language. We want to have experiences where we, quote, lose ourselves. We want to be blown away. We want to be beside ourselves. Uh, and this is, you know, this quest for a state where I feel that I'm not just, you know, limited to me. So Kink provides this, whether it's in power dynamics, you know, I'm literally uh, giving my power away to you. And in that way, I'm sort of in a certain kind of love with you. I'm in a certain kind of union with you, or I'm taking your power from you. And, you know, in that way, we're merging. As long as we're conscious of what we're doing, we're merging. And there's a certain intrinsic deliciousness to this. I mean, we can actually see this in the earlier stage of development, the tribal stage too, where I literally thought at that stage of the game that when I was dominating you, when I was taking your life or killing you, I, I would literally eat your heart and drink your blood uh, because that would be a way of, you know, merging you and taking on your powers. Uh, you know, evolution is not pretty, people. Human history is not pretty. But this strata still exists in us. And so, you know, in this new way, this practice of BDSM, I can play with these energetics and still, you know, be in a larger container of being civilized and sensitized. It's a little bit like we've been talking about this with people who are natural warriors. They want to go to war. They, there's something about it that is alive and juicy and can't be found in civilized society. And uh, so as integralists, we stop being so afraid that we, we, we take some of this stuff out of the shadows and work with it and realize that there is an ecstasy there that is worth uh, pursuing. I'll read you just a, a quick little poem from, or prose from Robin's site, robinreinock.com, uh, which we'll link to on the site. And this is from her homepage. And she writes from one of her books, all you need is now, reverberating through your being, like an electrical charge. Yes, unifying restless spirit and yearning flesh. No, any more would be impossible, but you can take more and you do take more the next time because you have to go further. And, you know, that is the evolutionary impulse. We do just keep have to go, having to go further. So I'll welcome Robin on the call in a second. But before we do, I will look uh, and share the poll results. So, ta-da! All right, here you are. None of the above, plain vanilla, 65% of you. Number two, mild you know, a little getting ordered around, held down, spanking, 28%. I'd probably put myself in the two category. <laughs> Three, medium, toys, whips, cuffs, gags, blindfolds, 1%. And four, you're full-fledged in the kink community, clubs, scenes, real pain, etc. 6%. So, you know, we're kind of trending mild. Uh, and, and not so wild in this in this group, which I don't think surprises me too much. All right. So I see Robin's on the call. And I just want to say before we bring her on that I've known Robin Reinach for 
over 10 years. She has been part of the integral scene for a long time and was part of the president's circle with Ken Wilber back in the early days of the Integral Institute when we all worked together there. A wonderful, smart, delightful woman. And she herself has been exploring the world of BDSNM for five years now. It's been very powerful for her. And she's really helped me understand a lot of what really is happening here. Uh, Robin's the author of Broken Open, uh, a book about her experiences, which is available on Amazon. And she is currently producing an off-Broadway play called Consent, which deals with this topic. And it opens on June 4th at the Black Box Theater at the Harold and Miriam Steinberg Center in New York City. So I'd like to welcome you, Robin. How are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for being with us, dear. Here I am. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm great. It's actually great to have an opportunity to talk about this, especially with the Fifty Shades of Grey movie being everywhere. And I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding. So it's it's great to be able to talk about it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've learned a lot, as I said, from you about this. And, you know, we had a couple conversations. And one of the things that has struck me most uh, about our conversation is that you're sharing that your practice of BDSM has transformed you as a person. So, you know, it's really interesting. And I'd ask you to describe that transformation for our listeners and how you would relate it to your journey through this sort of sexual frontier. Well, I think the first point is just realizing for me that I or re-realizing, recognizing and claiming that I had that appetite. Because I was, throughout my life, I would notice the appetite and perhaps mention it to different people and have a problem in that it would be discouraged. Either a psychiatrist at one point in my life or perhaps a boyfriend. It, uh, this was not a popular point of view in the 1960s or 70s. So uh, uh, it, when I first rediscovered the impulse in myself, in a way, it was like finding an old friend. And in a way, you know, was another flash of the blindingly obvious. <laughs> what had been wrong? What was missing? What's wrong with this picture? So I reluctantly embraced uh, a new journey. And the very first thing that I discovered was so much of the critical, self-criticizing voice that had previously organized my life just stopped. I, I, in other words, if I was living with a carrot and a stick, the stick fell. It was the oddest thing. It was like a, it was as though I was watching a carousel go round and round. And I had been on that carousel all this time and using it as a way of forcing myself to do things, motivating myself. And as soon as I began to experience my own sexuality, I didn't need that anymore. I didn't need my list of things to do. I knew what to do. And it didn't necessarily have to do with sex. I just found that I had so much more personal energy available to me, more enthusiasm for life. And this wasn't just when you were engaged in the practices or anything. This is sort of... No, this is before. Of... Just as soon as I realized who I was, it was like the whole thing dropped like a house of cards. It was like, holy hmm. shit. It, I, it was really exciting. And then uh, the exploration into, well, what does this mean now? That began. So uh, first just the admission, I mean, just freeing up the energy that was repressing my desire, and then allowing myself to experiment and see who I am, which continues to be an ongoing experience. I don't have a ready position or role for myself in what we're now calling the kink community. Uh, I don't readily fit into either top or bottom, and uh, I'm pretty fluid. And, and, and Robin, my, let me just, um, you know, for our... More you want to take a well, yeah. I was just going to say, our more vanilla people, top is dominant and bottom is submissive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, 
I discovered that I do enjoy surrender. And that I'm going to make a distinction between that and submission because submission feels to me like someone's beating you down. And they do call them submissives. But nevertheless, for me, the feeling of surrender could be absolutely exquisite, an exquisite ecstasy. But if someone were to tear it from me, it, it wouldn't work. I, I, I need to give it up. I need to give it up freely. And well, and that's the key, there, right? I mean, about that. And that's really the key is that ultimately you do, even though you're playing with power, uh, if we're talking about, you know, a more enlightened version of this, you're ultimately keeping your power. So you have, you know, complete control. Everybody's, uh, it's like even in the movie last night, it's all about this contract and what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And, you know, in a way that's, I think a way of civilizing uh, the people who may not be, you know, enlightened, as you point out, the, the kink community draws all kinds of people, and it's a little bit like the Wild West. And Totally the Wild West, yes. Totally the Wild West. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the, you know, kink community in New York City or, or, or wherever and however well, you know it. I mean, it. like, let me tell you, there's all kinds of fun stuff going on. In the last five years, there's been a tremendous resurgence and i'm seeing uh, a little more uh, a little more classy stuff going on i'm not going to say it's terrifically elegant you understand but uh when i first was interested there was only paddles the one bdsm club and during the last five years i've seen a lot of private party managers start to throw parties uh, monthly parties. And so from there being one place to go, maybe now there's four or five places to go, which is, that's a pretty big difference. Um, let's, uh, I, let me get back to, what was the question? I feel like I lost that question. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to get a sense of, and you're delivering it, but I'm looking for a sense of, you know, what's it like? So you go to one of these parties, what's the experience you're right, having you, what's the experience what's it like yeah there you go i'll give you a wild what's it like okay so you go to one of these parties and there's a guy there who does fire play right holy shit you think that's really scary so i the first time i watch him he spreads alcohol on a naked woman and then he has a, a wand with fire on it, and he waves the fire wand and the alcohol catches fire and oh my god it looks like she's going to He's burning that woman. But he doesn't burn her. She's fine. And she gets up off the table. And subsequently, for the next four years, I watch him do that to women. He never burnt anybody. It's just a wild ride. It's a roller coaster ride. It's an adrenaline ride. One day, damn it all, I'm gonna get, I get up on that table. And I experience, what does it feel like? I was laughing. What an adrenaline rush. What an adrenaline rush. Now, I watched that guy for four years, you understand, before I had the experience myself. Was it exactly submissive? Oh, I don't know. On the other hand, I got to say that as I lay on the table, I'm using every meditation technique I know to let go, surrender, relax, allow the experience, don't fight it. And that brings me to another thing about bottoming. It's, it's oddly like a, a meditation in a weird way because when you bottom, for me anyway, some people, some people, everybody has a different style. Some people fight back, they have bratty bottoms. But for me, it's all about surrender. If I'm with someone that I really trust, I want to let go into that experience. If, if somebody hits you with an impact implement and you tense your body up against that, it's going to really hurt a lot. If you trust the person and you know they're not going to hit you too hard or too much or go beyond your limit, so you really relax. And it almost becomes a game or a test. It almost becomes, can I relax into this? What if I don't tense up? when that crop hits my skin? What if I just experience that as sensation? 
I don't have to name it pain. It's just a strong sensation. What if I don't tense against it? And what if I just let that spread as heat and warmth and tingling across my back? What if I don't call it pain? Wow, you know what? I might like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also so, talk about how people get into basically shadow work. I mean, where they're, you know, deliberately working out their subpersonalities and some of the, some of the shadowy parts of themselves and bringing it into light. It's amazing how that happens. And I think even in those moments when I'm surrendering, I'm doing that because I'm in a subpersonality that's saying, I'm stronger than I think I am. And you can purposely, especially in a long-term relationship, create a healing situation where you actually bring your weaknesses, if you're the submissive or the bottom, to your top or your dom, discuss them, and then perhaps reenact a situation or a similar situation. So it, it need not always be sexual. You could have a situation where somebody is just experiencing being in bondage. Maybe, maybe they're in bondage uh, blindfolded. And that in itself could be a very intense experience. Suppose you're a little claustrophobic or there's some strange memory about uh, an odd experience with your mom. Uh, or maybe you didn't get enough touch. Maybe you need more and more and more touch, or it, there are a variety of corrective experiences. Maybe you imagined the person you were with was going to leave. Now you've finally got them tied to the bed. They're not going anywhere. You're totally safe with that person. And um, so in the context of real intimacy, you suddenly have this marvelous alchemical crucible in your bedroom, and there's so much you can do with it. And it not only is it healing, it's a terrific amount of fun. And uh, I have to say, they, they do say kinky folk tend to be rather more intelligent and more creative. Yay, let me toot our <laughs> horn. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, there's a complete spectrum. There's, you know, there's people who are at level red, and they're going to do what they can get away with. And then there are people who are truly at a green or integral level of development, and they want to access their red that they yeah. didn't get to play with. They want to feel that power, or they want to feel what it is like to submit. And those are both delicious experiences, just so long as you're not stuck in it. If yeah. you're choosing it, it's delicious. If somebody's doing to you, doing it to you, it's a nightmare. It runs the whole gamut. And one thing I will say for the kink community here in New York, they teach a lot of classes. Some of the classes are better than others, but if you're into kink, go to the classes, folks, because they teach you how not to hurt people. They talk about whatever may come up with you, and they just generally help you. You know, honestly, I think sex ed in school, instead of talking about the fallopian tubes and the ovaries, they ought to teach uh, teenagers how to pleasure each other. Imagine how much happier the world would be. In Robin's well, sex ed, man, I'm telling you, the whole world would be so much happier. Well, I think so, in the sacred world to come, Robin, that that may, may that may happen, but probably no time soon. Um, I wanted to also well, point out to, to our listeners, just one second, Robin, that if anybody has a question yeah. or comment about any of this, press one, press one if you have a question or comment, and we'll open the lines up here in a minute. But go on, Robin, as you were saying. Oh, gee, I, I lost it a long time ago. I was in a utopian dream there for a moment where people actually acknowledge that you're not born a sexually skilled person and that you need to learn how to do things and that it matters. And uh, sadly, most people are bumbling around. Now, the more um, 
you play with these primal energies, the more important it is for you to know what's going on. And I think the reason why people tend to be so afraid of SM in the kink community is just because the stakes are higher. If, you're, if, you're, if you start to play with a crop, it's going to be a different experience than if you're stroking someone's arm. You need to be skilled. You can't just do it. Yeah. So, and that's, that's an important thing. So you have to... You know, first admit to yourself you're interested, go get an education, find other people. Um, and uh, But you know what? Once you uh, start doing that, it's almost like a tennis club, strangely enough. And people from every social class, every religion, every walk of life are, are walking into that dungeon door. I've yeah, read yeah. figures as high as uh, 20% for 20% of everyone being kinky. Yeah. That's a high number. So, and I don't know how, how they come to that number or what, this, you know, what defines it, but I've reached the point where I am of the opinion that kink is a type and not a pathology. I think yeah. it's a human type. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. And, you know, it, it, you could even look at it in terms of lines of development or, or intelligences. That some people are just, Absolutely. you know, sort of gifted in this way of giving and, you know, just this power play and, and you know, and even sexually. It's, uh, you know, something they're good at. I think there's a little bit of it in almost any relationship. As soon as you start flirting, you're going to feel that tension. What tends to happen in most relationships is the the the, the power tension, uh, that playful puppy thing where the dominance thing you were talking about before, at a certain point it flattens out, and everybody mm-hmm. goes on about every day, and they kind of the sex thing kind of gets lost, and it, to me it's it's sad that that happens, and I do think that kink is a terrific way to reignite a long relationship, bring in something different. And I'm using the word kink instead of SM because I want to include a tremendous variety of things. Doesn't necessarily have to be hitting another person. Could be wearing a certain kind of clothing, leather, latex against the skin. Some people have real foot fetishes. They actually really want to lick your foot. Do you know I was in ecstasy with the man licking my foot? I never thought I would be. I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to lick my foot at the first place. Wow, a tongue on the arch of your foot? Oh, my God. You haven't lived until you've experienced that. Robin, you're scaring me. So... It's a a range. (laughs) There's a range of everything going on. I also want to offer, a, 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 since I'm a woman, I feel I need to just speak a warning to women because we are a little bit vulnerable and uh, we're smaller and, uh, than men mostly. I, I'm 5'1", so I worry. And uh, so do, do watch out. Do watch out. Weird stuff can happen. Well, I see we have a question it's, here that I'll read to you, Robin. It's, it came through Mixler. And the question is, is humiliation a part of BDSM, and if so, how is that healthy? Okay, I love that question. The answer is yes. Humiliation is definitely part of BDSM. That doesn't mean everybody likes it, and there are plenty of people who will say, I'll play with you, but no humiliation. You humiliate me, it's over, I'm leaving. And in fact, sometimes I will take that position. On the other hand, I once saw a post on FetLife, which you guys is kind of the Facebook for a kink community. And if you're curious, yellow, go on there, FetLife.com, and you can have some fun without revealing yourself. So I saw a post that said, humiliation is when the other person makes you do the thing you really want to do but don't have the nerve to do yourself. So perfect. He made me do it. He made 
made me take off my clothes. I'm not an exhibitionist, you understand, but he made me take them off. Or he made me suck his cock in public or whatever it was. Now you get to do something without taking responsibility for the act the first time. And maybe after several times of doing that act, you, you might not feel so ashamed anymore. Maybe it's not humiliating anymore. Maybe there's some point at which it becomes just absolutely glorious. On the other hand, there can be some really, truly humiliating stuff in the kink world. Some people really, truly like to be humiliated. They have had a person lick the bottom of my boot, and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, the boot has been on the street sidewalks of Manhattan. I mean, talk about not sanitary I, 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 don't, I, I personally am not fond of that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to participate in it on either side I don't know if it's growthful I can't render an absolute opinion I'm just not that smart it, it doesn't look good to me sometimes but sometimes it looks fabulous because sometimes it's permission and freedom to do the very thing you're longing to do but which you've been taught not to do so it yeah, so depends. Thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's just interesting to see this world sort of forming itself and sort of civilizing itself and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't and what's good and what isn't. And um, so we have one more question here, and I see we're running out of time. And and it's a good question for um, for um, your, your next project, and that is, what what's the um what's the play you're uh, producing uh, and, and I, I would add it's called consent oh, great i'm so glad you asked okay so consent is a story about two men and their relationship which has uh, a top bottom dom sub power dynamics and it it unfolds where the protagonist has a new experience and he begins to ask questions that any person who starts to become involved in SM begins to ask, what does this mean about me? How am I capable of that? Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean that I did this? What does it mean that I allowed another person to do this to me? And who am I now? What does this say about me? It's, it's a fabulous play because it explores consent from multiple perspectives. We want consent to be easy. We want it to be binary because we want an easy solution for these college kids. Yes means yes, no means no. But as usual, there's a spectrum. It's just not that simple. Consent is a moving target. You may consent now, then you don't consent later. You change your mind. You, you don't want to convince somebody to do something now that they consent in this exact moment, and then an hour later, they're, holy shit, what did I do? You know, I, I want to retract that consent now. That's no good either. So it's, it's a very sensitive topic, and it needs a more nuanced exploration than we're currently giving it because we're afraid. If we open that Pandora's box and we admit that consent is not, it's not a yes-no, it's a, it's a spectrum. Wow, how are we ever going to figure that out? So guess what? That's what the play does. <laughs> we open Pandora's box and give you a taste of what it's like to be inside that experience. And I love the play also because uh, there are four characters and there are two women, so there are plenty of women to opine. But the drama occurs between two men, so there's no issue of gender victimization. You really get to see the power play very clearly. And when you were talking about the dogs playing, it reminded me of one of the scenes in the play where, one of the, where the protagonist is talking about a football game and he's saying, hey, come on, you know, in any male relationship, somebody's, somebody's on top, somebody's on bottom, and they get together and the football team figures out, you know, it's sort of like a, a, everybody's sort of puppy fighting and somebody ends up on top. And uh, so I enjoyed when you said that. And what consent is about is exploring these issues, opening it up, and uh, it's also a really odd, sexy play. 
Do you want to watch some <laughs> beautiful men? So, Sounds and good Luna to Pining. Yeah, yeah, it's we're going to be opening in June. So here in New York, uh, off Broadway, at the oh boy, it's got a what's the name of that? It's the Black Box Theater at the Harold and Miriam Steinberg Center on Forty Sixth and Sixth. And previews start June fourth, and we're opening June fourteenth. Well, wonderful, Robin, and uh, I, I hope to get there. And Jeff, and, and I want to see you on opening night. I'm not kidding. You're gonna, I think you're going to love this play. When I listened to what you said before I got on, you are going to love this play. Well, I'm looking That's forward to I it, think. Robin. And uh, I, I see okay. we're out of time here, and, and Robin, thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. This was fantastic. It's really thanks good. So much. And, and I want to say also that uh, Robin and I had a uh, full discussion earlier today that uh, more like 50 minutes, which we'll post as well. And if you're interested in, uh, in following up further, you can check out her website, Robin Reinach, R-E-I-N-A-C-H dot com. And again, thank you, Robin. You're welcome. You're welcome. All Great right. to connect with you, Jeff. All right. Dear. Okay. Take care. More soon. Bye. All right, folks. Well, um, yeah, wow. What a new world here, huh? As we take these, you know, primal energetics that in the first tier are so odious and so brutal uh, and dangerous and purify them through civilization and sensitization into an art form where we can reaccess the juice in a safe new container. And this is, you know, just an example of how evolution works. All right. So this is, again, the last call of this, our winter season. Again, I am just so grateful for those of you who listen uh, to the live call, to listen to the podcast as it's posted as I said, uh, we got 20,000 downloads last season in um, 2014, and we're currently running 30% higher than that for this season. And I am just astonished at that number, but very, very grateful and gratified. So again, thank you so much. So we'll be taking a few weeks off here. Um, we will be posting on the, on the blog, uh, Integral Life, and on uh, dailyevolver.com each week, uh, but no live calls until we come back at the end of next month, which is Tuesday night, March 31st. So I'll see you back here live then, I hope, Tuesday night, March 31st. And until then, keep it integral. This is Jeff Salzman, signing off. <laughs>